right. Bear down, Bears fans. It's time for another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast, Bears Banter, powered by Windy City Gridiron and SB Nation. Bill Zimmerman with you, and woo! Let's get fired up. That is a big win for the Chicago Bears. A huge win for the Chicago Bears. That is a tough win on the road. That is one that I don't think a lot of people gave them a chance to win, and they pulled it off thanks to a tremendous effort from Sean Sean Desai and his defense. We are going to get into all that with Mark Silverman. Sylvie from ESPN's Waddle and Sylvie, you know him well. He'll be along here in a few minutes. But before we get to Sylvie, just had a few things I wanted to get off my chest. And let's start with the defensive performance. Sean Desai is proving that he is that defensive mind that we heard he was, right? Look, Sean Desai, I don't think any fans or, 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 or people are going to sit there and say they knew a lot about Sean Desai, you know, defensive backs coach. You know, you knew he was with the organization a while if you followed assistant coaches, but you didn't sit there and say he's the difference on this. You, you didn't ever hear that. There wasn't a lot of buzz about that. So his name kind of got surfaced, and you sit there and say, all right, you know, you hear things that he was going to be more, more Fangio style and, and do kind of some different things and not just going to be kind of the stale defense that I think Chuck Pagano brought to this team. And look, I had concerns after that Rams game. I said it on the podcast. I tweeted about it. The secondary was abused. I think moving Shelly in over Christian was a good move and that's helped, but Shelly is still outmatched in the slot. Vildor still gives up lots of completions. He's not exactly a stalwart over there uh, on the outside corner spot. Jalen Johnson, you can't be better than Jalen Johnson right now, except maybe Jalen Ramsey. He's that level of, of good out there. He is a shutdown corner. He is taking the next step. You just have to hope he stays healthy because he does get the injury bug from time to time. But Desai sat there and said, you know, that f- the game plan he had against the Rams was not a good one. He wasn't dialing up pressures. He wasn't stunting. He wasn't doing a lot. He tried to just see if Quinn and Mack and Hicks could just get after the quarterbacks, and they couldn't do it enough. And the Rams and Stafford and McVay destroyed the secondary, just assaulted them. Now you see Desai adjusting immediately, and what what has he done? The amount he's moving Khalil Mack in, in the front, he's stunting him through the middle. There's you know, Robert Quinn has, has had an awakening, and whether that's because he's being allowed to play with his hand in the dirt more, whether, whether he's, I, I don't know what the deal is with Robert Quinn, but we are seeing the guy that Ryan Pace paid for, that he wanted opposite Mac, where he sat there and said, I'm going to have Quinn and Mac, and nobody is stopping my defensive line. That was the plan. That certainly didn't happen last year, but that is certainly happening a lot more this year. That defense, the Bears are leading the NFL in sacks, They're getting pressures. They're disrupting the offense constantly. The defensive line is the difference right now. And it's not just the talent they have. It's how Desai is utilizing them. And that can't be understated. Desai is continuing to get better. And that's a great thing where maybe he can do some creative things and figure out some ways to confuse and and at least get, you know, slow down Rodgers and Brady here these, these next couple of games. So, There is definitely an opportunity for this defense to help Justin Fields along. And I love to see it. I love to see what what I'm seeing from Sean Desai. A big fan of what he's done. And I don't think he's going to fast track his way to 
to head coach in just a season, but he puts together a couple seasons like this. Sean Desai is going to be a head coach in 2023. You can, you can mark my words if he continues uh, down this path. He is doing an excellent job. Offensively, let's, let's not ignore the offense here. You know, it, this offense is finally developing a personality. We, we know who this offense is. And yes, we want Justin Fields to be the, the 300 yards, three, four touchdown guy. That's obviously what we want to see out of our quarterback, but he's not there yet. So what can you do to help him? You can't just sit there and, and pass block forever. So they are becoming a running team. And, and look, Juan Castillo, and, and I feel it was Castillo that, that played a part in this. I'm not saying he was the, the sole guy here, but I think Castillo, Castillo was looking for a personality on this offensive line. He wanted some downhill ballers. He wanted some guys that can get into a guy and, and just get that push going and really kind of develop an attitude up front. And and with the rookies here, Borum and, and, and Jenkins, I know we haven't really seen them on the field, Borum a, a bit, but that's what those guys were in college. They, they were aggressive. They, they, they went after their guys. I mean, Jenkins is a guy who, until he hears it, he does not stop. It doesn't matter if the play's 30 yards down the field. If the whistle hasn't blown, Jenkins is going after guys. He is that, that attitude. Elijah Wilkinson, I'm not a huge Wilkinson fan. He is not a good pass protector. You know, Afedi, I've said Afedi enough on this podcast. You know, he's hurt a few weeks, so we'll worry about Afedi when he comes back. Elijah Wilkinson, though, when he gets into a guy, he he's he can push a guy off the line. He's got some nasty in him. Jason Peters might be approaching 40 years old, but Peters is a guy who can really move some bodies. Now, he's going to struggle with speed. He is not the kind of guy at this point in his career that's going to be able to keep up with, with speed rushers around the edge. He, he needs help there, and hopefully Nagy and Laser are going to realize that the next time they play a dominant speed rusher and don't leave him out there to dry with Miles Garrett as much as they did against Cleveland. So Peters, another guy. You know, Whitehair has it in him sometimes to be that guy. Daniels, how about that block James Daniels had? I think it was against Denzel Perriman where he just chokeslammed him. I mean... There's just this attitude with this offensive line now that they just want to go after guys. And when you have an offensive line that does that, even if David Montgomery is out, we saw how effective they could be with Williams and Herbert. They've got an identity now. This offensive line has an identity, which is giving this offense an identity. And if they can have that identity, and you saw Brandon Staley have a comment a couple weeks ago about how important it is to run the football. Not to go all the way old school with three yards in a cloud of dust, but to keep the pressure on the defense where by the fourth quarter, that defense is huffing and puffing and that offensive line has all the momentum. That's what they need to see out of this offensive line, establish a presence up front. And then when Fields drops back to pass, you know, hopefully the, the defensive line's a little fatigued from all the battling they're having to do on the run game. And it's going to give Fields more time because the pass blocking is not great up front, and I don't think it's going to improve much. I think that's going to be a weak point here, so let's utilize the offensive line's strengths, and then hopefully that can cover what they're doing in the pass game a little bit, because Fields, you have to be happy with what you see. When, when Fields is sitting there on his knees after getting knocked over and just has his come-bring-it attitude with, his, with the hand gestures, you love to see, I love that personality and that attitude. That's what you need out of the quarterback. You want the quarterback to have that swagger, and he's showing it on the field, and you see the team getting behind him. So 
So, you know, it's, it's great to see. Now, I understand Fields' numbers have been mediocre. I understand he's, you know, he hasn't done the flashy numbers. He hasn't had, you know, Zach Wilson hasn't been great, but Zach Wilson had a big game. You know, Mac Jones has had a good, you know, we haven't seen that game from him yet, but we've seen the abilities. And I cannot, I, I love so much that Justin Fields pushes the ball down the field. And when you look at stats, when they try and isolate who throws the ball down the field, who's who's got a good, you know, average depth of target, who's who's pushing the ball down the field, who's not throwing turnover-worthy throws down the field, accurate, deep balls. And Justin Fields is at the top of the league in those categories. The top of the league. Not the top of the rookies, not above average. No, we're talking about first, second, third in those type of categories. This Bears offense hasn't had that since Jay Cutler, but Jay Cutler had turnover-worthy throws frequently, which was why what held Cutler back. Cutler would, you know, whip the ball in the double coverage and, and turn the ball over. We, we were, it was maddening with Jay Cutler, but at least Cutler had the arm talent to whip the ball down the field. We haven't seen that, and this isn't to get after Mitch, you know, but we haven't seen that with this Bears offense the last few years, and before Cutler, we didn't see it. This is not something that the Bears quarterbacks had the ability to do. You know, McMahon could throw a decent deep ball, but we were going back 30, 40 years to, to get to a quarterback like that, and you know, the, the, this is really, honestly, a guy the Bears have never had because you can't compare him to Sid Luckman. You know, Sid Luckman would lead the league in touchdown passes or yards or whatever, but that's the 1940s. So we are potentially seeing something as Bears fans that literally, I don't care if you're 75 years old, you've never seen this in Chicago. And I'm not sitting here saying you've never seen this like he's Russell Wilson or, or, or Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes. I'm not worried about that right now, but what he has is something different that we don't see, and that's the ability to get the ball down the field, past the first down markers, and do it accurately and without concern of a turnover. That is a huge, huge thing for the quarterback, especially in today's league, and I love that Fields has it. He's still got, got some issues. He, he obviously, he's holding on to the ball too long probably because he's not getting through his receivers quickly enough, which is concerning. And maybe Fields is going to be the type of guy who holds on to the ball too long. Russell Wilson holds on to the ball too long. That is his biggest fault as a quarterback. But Russell Wilson has the talent, intelligence, and ability to get around that and still make plays and keep an offense moving the ball down the field. And, you know, he's a fantastic future Hall of Famer. Justin Fields... You tell me Justin Fields is Russell Wilson? Sign me up right now. Clearly, I'm on board with that. I, I think Fields is on the right track. I'm trying not to get too overexcited. I'm trying to watch him objectively. But I cannot embrace enough that he wants to push the ball down the field. He And he looks for the opportunities. You know, he drops back to pass, scans, doesn't see what he wants immediately. His reaction is not what Dalton, Trubisky, Daniel, Barkley, name whatever quarterback you want other than Jay Cutler of Glennon to just throw the three yard out, you know, to just dump it into the flat. That's not his mentality. His mentality is, well, if no one's open, I'm going to try and get the ball down the field because why the hell not? I love the mentality. I love what he brings to the field and I love the potential here. So 
Huge win against the Raiders. I love so much of what I saw in that game. Hopefully that momentum will carry them into this Green Bay game. We'll talk about it a little bit here with Sylvie in a second. I'll talk about it a little, about, a little bit at the end. <laughs> Try that again. A little bit at the end of the podcast about this Packers game because there's an opportunity here. The Packers are a better team than the Chicago Bears, but there's an opportunity with the game in Chicago for the Bears to come out victorious. And what an what a great thing that would be for Justin Fields, his first start against the Green Bay Packers, and just to deliver a loss to Wisconsin. You'd love to see it. So let's get into all that with Sylvie. I've babbled enough. I want to get to Sylvie here. I got a lot to get into with him. So we are going to jump on with, with Mark Silverman right after this break. This is Bears Banter. Bill Zimmerman will be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, welcome back into the podcast. Very excited for this guest. He was uh, he was on it last year, did a phenomenal job because he's never short of opinions because that's his daytime job. He is yeah. Mark Silverman, better known as Sylvie at Waddle and Sylvie on Twitter. And he joins us now. Sylvie, how you doing? I love it. Yeah, and and I appreciate being on here because you're you're always turning out good Bears thoughts. You're always turning out good Bears pods, and I've always felt like you're. Uh, you know, you're a real smart insider. So, you know, I don't know if you like the term insider. I'm trying to think what, what I'd call it, but I'd like the material is what I'm trying to say. Well, I appreciate that and love what you do for, for Chicago and the fans and you, you and Waddle are great. And, uh, you know, always, always appreciate having you on. So I'm just going to start with kind of a generic question here because the Raiders, you know, and, you know, I, I don't want to get into the Gruden stuff, <laughs> You know, let's just put that aside. Let's just talk about what what happened on the field. You know, that was a game at the beginning of the year I circled as a win. I was like, I think they can go out there and beat this Raiders team. And then coming into it this week, I had changed my mind. I said, this Raiders team is playing too well. I just don't, I I think they're going to keep it close, but I just don't think they're going to have enough. And that was a great performance by by the team. They're sure there were some warts, but overall really thrilled with that performance. So I just want to kind of get your overall thoughts on what you thought of that Raiders game. Yeah, I mean, and I kind of ping-pong back and forth, too, with my opinions, like, before the season and then in season, and then maybe, like, the week of, just because I, I actually started getting a little more optimistic just because that the Bears were taking care of fields better, and I thought the Raiders were kind of doing it recently with a few smoke and mirrors. So, and I knew that we would have, a, a, a when I say we, the Bears, the the Bears fans would would come out big and I was at the game you know we traveled for that there were probably like 20 25,000 Bears fans I would guess like it was a third Bears fans it wasn't a majority or it wasn't I don't believe close to half but they were very loud they were loud yeah yeah and they were around just everywhere you walked you you saw Bears fans we saw a lot of waddle jerseys but um (laughs) you know I loved the first half game plan. I loved it. Um, they're still not without their mistakes. You know, I think a Fetty jumped off sides again on like the second play of the game. 
Um, I thought there were a couple of bad defensive calls. I don't love using a timeout on an extra point, uh, <laughs> you know, and I wanted to see uh, fields in the two minute drill. I think the Raiders left them with like a minute left before the half. And I would have loved points there. I feel like the bears again are, we're in the point where we're at the bottom. We're at like the replacement level spot where they're doing good enough things to sort of pacify me with a young quarterback. We're back to basics. It's not disaster. I mean, two weeks ago, it was disaster level. We've gone from disaster level to smart, conservative Kyle Orton type playbook calling. And I think over time, we're all going to want to see more and we're going to want to see steps. But at least right now, Bill, it's just making sense where um, they're doing some things and they're protecting fields for the most part and they're running the football well. And I think that that's what the line does well. And I think when the line goes forward, it's always easier, especially for these players. Yeah. And you brought up a lot of things there that I, I want to get into. But the first thing I want to do is because I, I want to ask you this question, because this bear season right now is feeling a lot like, you know, in certain respects to 2019 and 2020. And what I mean by that is when you watch 2019 and 2020, you really just felt like you were watching, you know, a football team and sometimes that it wasn't prepared or it was overmatched or they didn't feel like they were clicking and they went eight and eight both years. They stuck into the playoffs one year. It wasn't like they ever went four and 12. And now I'm looking at this team again, it's great. And I know I understand we're coming off a great win that they could potentially build on, but they got some tough games here coming up, obviously green Bay, Tampa Bay, you know, San Francisco is pretty good Baltimore. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a lot of games coming here in the next five, six games that are going to be a challenge. And I feel like we're settling into another season where they're going to go, you know, obviously an extra game, eight, nine, nine and eight, potentially something, something like that. I feel like this might be the direction this team is headed, win some games. Maybe we don't think they should lose some games that we think maybe they should win. And to me, I'm sitting here going, if Justin Fields develops and this Chicago Bears team goes eight and nine, I don't know if George McCaskey makes changes. So, and I'm not a guy who's going to sit there and say, let's cheer against the Chicago, Chicago Bears. I know Danny Parkins on the other side got a lot of Bears fans upset, you know, scores Danny Parkins when he said he was going to cheer against them until Fields was in. But for you as someone who, who lives and breathes with this team, if this team goes nine and eight, maybe they squeak into the playoffs again and we see Fields growing. And George says, all right, Pace and Nagy are back. He says, we wanted the playoffs and we wanted a developing quarterback. Are you going to be comfortable at all with no changes in this organization? Um, and that, I think, is a really nuanced point. Because if you would tell me that they would go 8-9, and 9-8, nine, nine and eight, and Andy Dalton was the start of the majority of the season, I would say, what the fuck's the point? <laughs> um, what the, where are we going here? What's what, like, that's always my baseline on how I look at sports. I mean, it's pretty simple. Like whenever I look at something and I say, what's the point of all this? And if it was Andy Dalton and it's why I was tearing my hair out with the questions on whether they were going to go back to Dalton and why fields didn't even have an opportunity to win the job in camp. Like what, is the point of Andy Dalton. 
And if you're going to be mediocre and that's really the destination is nowhere. But to me, there's a destination here. If you go nine and eight, and eight and nine with Justin Fields, the bottom line is, is I want to feel like the Charger fans felt about their team at the end of this season, the way they felt at the end of last season. I like that. That's what coaching changes. Fine. Um, But if they went more than the Chargers, I would understand if they keep more people in place. My bottom line is by the end of this year, I want to know, and I think I know, I think he's good and I think he could be great, but I want to see it. Then I want to know that they hit a home run with Justin Fields and Justin Fields is my forever quarterback. And if they prove that to me, that we can get to the point where here we, we sit after game five, after game 17, and they've won with him while developing, I think that's the best case scenario because I don't believe this team can go 12 and five. Um, so, so like to me, there's levels of nine and eight and nine and eight or eight, and nine with Andy Dalton is far, far worse than eight, and nine, nine and eight with Justin Fields. And I'd be okay. Then I know like just, we used to have a saying, Less cute, more nasty as far as because we identified this so long ago that Nagy didn't want to run the ball. My my feeling changed. You referenced 19 and 20. My my feelings changed midway through 19 when he came out after the bye week, after telling us he was going to commit to the run game. And it was the New Orleans game. He quit on it in like the first or second series. They ran it for a record low. And I'm like, you game planned to get back to the running game, you couldn't even stick with it for a full quarter. What's wrong with you? So he lost me there and he's continued to lose me. Now the saying is instead of less cute, more nasty, it's less cute, less naggy because the less naggy involved in day-to-day operations game calling Nagy's quarterback plan was wrong. Nagy's game plan and play calling is wrong. And he's changed that. So the less we get of Nagy, the better from me. And, and I think that's a fair point. And, you know, and I'll kind of say talk Pace and Nagy here, both of them for a second. You know, I've got a lot of issues with what, what Ryan Pace has done. And I don't know if he's ever going to stop trading up constantly, which I think is a problem because it just doesn't leave him enough draft picks to build up depth. But that aside, he does hit on a lot of picks. I know Bears fans are frustrated with some of his first round misses, but, you know, you can't disagree with what he's done in the fourth, fifth rounds. You know, he's found a couple solid offensive linemen in the second round. I know White Heron Daniel's been up and down this year, but he's made some good moves in the draft. I also don't like what he's done with the cap, but I also think what he's done with the cap is to try and desperately win games because he didn't have enough job security to keep building towards the, so he keeps punting money down the road and all this stuff. I think if Pace had a little more security, I think we would see him operating the team a little better. Now, moving over to Nagy, the one thing here that is critical if he stays is, and if it, whether it comes from George or Pace, it's got to come from someone. It says, Matt, you do not call plays anymore. Whether you want Bill Lazor, whether you want to bring in some up, some hot right. shot. You're Bill, done. You, yeah. are, you are the CEO of this team. You know, the, the, you, 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 he is, I think, a good head coach. I think Matt Nagy is a horrendous offensive coordinator. Horrendous. I think think that's what we're seeing here because Bill Lazor, who's done a nice job, and this is not to knock Bill Lazor. Bill Lazor was sitting home doing nothing when he got hired. He is not an offensive coordinator who's in demand, but he has come in 
and the game plans, the, the play calling that he's done is so much better than Nagy. And going back to last year, the same thing. It is so much better than the game plans that the games that Nagy calls for a replacement level play caller, which is what Bill is. They cannot go back to that. So if they are going to keep this group, like you said, less Nagy, Nagy, you know, if he wants to kind of oversee the offense, whatever he wants to say in the press conference is fine. But on the day, Lasers or whoever is up in that booth and calling the plays. Right. I mean, I feel like, you know, we're sort of like so abused here where now we're getting like food, water and shelter that we are just happy. And that's what Bill Lazer is. Like Bill Lazer isn't like this great meal at a great steakhouse. You know what I'm saying? All we're getting is we're getting food, water, shelter, no matter where that is. And we're happy because we have been so deprived of all of that under Matt Nagy's offense. So I'm with you. You're singing to the choir on, on Bill Lazer. Like the history is when he was the offensive coordinator in Miami, he was fired. When he was the offensive coordinator in Cincinnati, he was fired. He didn't work in the NFL one year. 31 other teams didn't hire him to be a play caller. The Bears just hired him in offensive coordinator and title only to just, you know, help out with Matt Nagy calling plays and getting to the point about Nagy, like Nagy's never been a good OC. It wasn't like he had this three-year resume built up um, where he was calling plays. He had those five or six games with question marks at the end of the run, losing to the Titans in the playoff game. And and, and, and I would believe that if he got fired, I don't think there would be a right-minded head coach who would say, I want Matt Nagy on my team calling plays. I would, I would hire him to be my quarterback's coach, and you can tutor a coach, a, a quarterback, like you tutored Mahomes. But I would never, if I, not just the Bears, Bill, I, if I was an owner, if I was a coach, if I was a general manager, I would never say, you know who we would need as an offensive coordinator to call our plays? Matt Nagy. Because I believe that is what he's worst at. Yeah, I think if Matt Nagy gets fired, he will be assistant head coach slash QB coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's where he's headed because I agree. And there's no one who would hire him as the offensive coordinator right now. I want to get into defense before I do one, one more thing on the offense. And we obviously got to get in the fields a little bit as well. The offensive line, which look, there's, I'm not going to sit here and say, we got the, the, the Washington hogs of the 1980s here. There's, yeah. there's a lot of holes here, but the one thing we've, we've seen, and I think this is kind of what Juan Castillo was building. Olin Krutz loves to talk about this on Twitter all the time. And, um, and Brandon Staley had a great quote about, about it, you know, two weeks ago uh, for the, the Chargers about running the football and, and establishing the run. And, and the Bears now have a lot of downhill, nasty blockers. Like he, Elijah Wilkinson, who's not great, but he, he, he can bully a guy on the offensive line. Even Borum and Jenkins, like that's what they do whenever they get a chance to play. Jason Peters, he can't handle speed anymore. We saw what Miles Garrett did to the poor man, but, you know, when he gets into a guy, I mean, he, he can just, he can still pancake, you know, solid defensive lineman when he gets into him. They, they've got a chance here to really build something behind this offensive line if they utilize the players properly. And we saw it with David Montgomery out and a sixth round rookie, and I, I like her, but a sixth round rookie and, a, and a, a guy who's been a steady backup for whether it's Miami, Kansas City, now Chicago, Damian Williams, and they ran the football well. And I think if they can continue to do that and establish that identity, 
it's going to help Justin Fields out tremendously. And I, that's just something they cannot get away from. No, it's, it's so true. Yeah. You have to run the ball. And, and, and I know the reference you made with the Staley quote, it's, it's just like, there are so many things like just running the ball, even if you're not effective, knowing that you could run the ball. And this coming from a defensive guy who knows what it's like to play that. I want to see them now take it a step further. What I saw two games ago instead of the last game was, is they capitalize off the play action, off the run very well with some of those bigger plays. They had those four really big uh, splash plays, which we love the throws that Justin Fields made. I felt like in the second half, they sort of hit that lull in the third quarter where they went three and out, three and out. And I always felt like the Raiders were just hanging around. And now we find out that maybe they had all these other things on their mind and it was a bigger distraction than we all thought of with Gruden. But I felt like there's, there's always, even, even if this is the baseline, there's still another gear to the baseline that they could get to. I want to see them still take advantage of some of the runs by utilizing what Justin Fields does best. And hopefully with green Bay banged up, especially defensively, you're going to be able to do that. And this won't be as big of a threat on your home field against this defense. Yeah. I mean, look, there, they, there's definitely an opportunity to compete with, with green Bay. And, you know, let's use that as an opportunity to switch over to the defensive side of the ball. Talk about Sean Desai a little bit, what he's done defensively, because I was a lot, I, I look, I knew the Bears secondary had some questions in terms of depth and in terms of talent outside of the, the couple top end guys they had, but oh yeah. Matt, Matt Stafford and Sean McVay humiliated that defense week one. And the one thing I said is, you know, and, and this is not like, you know, genius analysis here, but people know if you're going to protect a weak secondary, you got to get after the quarterback up front. And they didn't do that against the Rams, except one series, the one sack they had, the Rams went three and out. So they were able to disrupt that offense. The rest of the time they weren't getting to Stafford and they got just boat raced out, out of that stadium. Since then, Desai's done, I think, an incredible job. Stunts, dialing up. He's not sending seven guys to get to the quarterback. Right. He's moving Mac around. Where, where It's such a great work up front to, to, to dial up pressure and keep the secondary, you know, where, where they don't have to cover for four, five, six seconds because the quarterback's got to get rid of the ball. And Kendall Vildor and, and Duke Shelley and those guys can be protected because of this defensive line. I'm thrilled with what I've seen from Sean Desai in the last few weeks. I'm sure you are too. Yeah. I, you know, and I was worried uh, with regard to that first game because, you know, I read all the pieces about Desai and about how he's going to be different and he's more uh, of what Fangio does and he's going to put them in better positions. And then I'm thinking, okay, is this going to be like the Cubs hitting coach situation where, they keep changing hitting coaches, but it's the players who just weren't executing. And we would always just scapegoat, you know, the previous defensive coordinator. So like was Pagano, maybe not as bad, but it's just guys aren't as good as they've been. And are they not uh, contributing? And I'm like, okay, well, this, all this talk about the sigh after game one, I was a little bit worried, but I think you, you nailed it, that he's done a really good job. And, and it certainly helps, too, when it looks like Robert Quinn is a heartbeat. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the story I want to know is what was really going on. I mean, I think we all knew he was hurt, uh, but was there other stuff going on 
with Robert Quinn. It was just a, a weird, all the things we read about Robert Quinn, all the things that you watched from him the previous year and the analytical numbers where he had the highest win rate and pressure rate and everything like that. And we didn't see that. And now this year, like every game, at least since that first game, we're just seeing him. Oh, there's Quinn. Oh, there's Quinn again. And, and, and he's in there and they're working as a combo. And we've had that very rarely, right, with, with uh, Mac. When Mac was really good, like you didn't know if Floyd would be good on the other side. And we always thought the other would make one would make the other better. It works both ways. And now I think Quinn and Mac are playing so well off of each other. Then in turn, a questionable secondary uh, you don't have to worry about as much. And Jalen Johnson has obviously taken that next step where he's finally getting recognized in his second year here. Yeah, I mean, we, he's a lockdown corner. He's, he's that good. He, every statistic you can come up with, you see him right towards the top of the NFL. His development's been great, and at least that gives them the ability where, you know, they don't – the quarterback has a hard time being able to look that way on top of having the defensive pressure. So, look, for this Packers game coming up, obviously it's not going to be not going to be easy anytime Aaron Rodgers is, is on the other side of the field. It isn't, but – if again, Desai can get to Rogers where yes. if we, if Rogers has time, he's going to annihilate the, the, you know, sure he's going to annihilate the secondary other than Johnson. He just, that's just going to happen. But if they can get to him and you force him to get the ball quick, sure. He's going to make some remarkable plays, but with that defense banged up with their offensive line banged up, the bears absolutely have an opportunity. I don't know if they will, but they have an opportunity to steal this game. Cars, you know, but like these next two games, Think about it. I mean, what, what you're playing in these next two games, two top five quarterbacks of all time. I mean, what, yeah, probably. I mean, think about that. Um, you're you're going to get Rodgers, um, and and we're going to see if. And, and that's why I'm encouraged. Is I didn't think that there would be moments this year where the defense would be win because of. Like I, I knew that they would be okay, pretty good. I didn't know how great they could be. Like, could they even be 19 level? I know. I don't think we're going to see 18 level, but could, the, and, and, you know, with their pressures and with their sack numbers this year, um, they're doing well. I'd like more turnovers. I think we all would, but, um, but I, I I'm encouraged that they've shown these flashes where, Ooh, maybe we can win because of here. And they're flying around. They're swarming a little bit more here. Um, so, but I think this is a huge step up with, with Rogers and then Brady these next two weeks, it's going to be, it's, it's really going to be fascinating to watch because not just the defense and how they perform, but what Justin Fields then will be asked to do to sort of stay in these games if they are allowed to score some points. Yeah. And, and let's, let's finish it up with fields. You, you know, we circled, circled back to him here. Didn't get a chance to do it early in the, in the conversation. Obviously there's, there's a lot to be excited about with Justin Fields, and I, I think you can see it. And I am more cautious about how I'm, I'm going into this one. And I think Justin Fields is a remarkably more talented quarterback than Mitch Trubisky. And that is not, I'm done knocking Mitch. He's in Buffalo. He's a great guy. I wish him well. But I don't think I'm going out on a limb saying Fields is a more talented prospect than, than Mitch Trubisky was. But the one thing is, you know, I did constantly those first couple of years with Trubisky is I looked at all the positive plays and didn't look enough at the negative plays. Cause I'm like, that's, that throw is a great, is what a great quarterback can make. Let's throw, you know, the, the throw against Washington, you know, he, he had flashes, 
So I focused on the flashes and ignored the negatives until the negatives piled up too much where I just kind of threw my hands up halfway through like the 2019 season. I'm like, this just isn't, isn't going to yeah. happen. Uh-huh. So with, with fields, I'm trying to be more objective, but, and you know, he obviously hasn't had that 70% completion percentage, 290 yard, three touchdown game. The, the numbers overall have been pedestrian, but the one thing that you can't ignore and, whether you look at, you know, pro football focus and their more advanced stats or, or the more traditional stats, Justin Fields pushes the ball down the field. And that is not something the Bears have had since Jay Cutler. And, and the, diff, the problem with Cutler is Cutler was, was turnover prone and Fields does not seem to be turnover prone when yes. he pushes the ball down the field. And having that combination of not having turnover worthy throws and pushing it down the field and just the mentality that, that that top dog, you know, alpha mentality that he seems to have. Yes, he's still slow in, in progressions uh, in terms of reading and getting rid of the ball properly. And I think that may be kind of who he is. I think he may, you know, Russell Wilson holds on to the ball too, too long and no one in Seattle is complaining he's the quarterback. So that always may be an issue with fields, but I think his athleticism and everything can help him there. So, I mean, I love that he pushes the ball down the field. Is that what's impressed you the most with him so far? Or what have you seen from Fields, positives and negatives? You know, if we look at the whole picture here through these first few games, kind of putting Cleveland aside, because like it's almost impossible to, to, to look at that game and, and analyze it all. What you are is you are, a, you have been, you have been wronged by women in the past. And now all of a sudden you've met, uh, you know, you have someone new who you've been out on a few dates with and you're trying to figure out why not to like her? You know what I mean? Like, you're like, okay, I'm not going to fall in love too quick. I'm not going to plan a vacation here soon. You are trying now to do the opposite of what you've done with Mitch, who, you know, right after Mitch, you were planning a trip to Hawaii and thinking about wedding venues and stuff like that. Cause we want that so bad. And I think you've got to go into this, just hoping for the best. And, and like that, like in, you know, take it from me, someone who got married at 40. You know what I mean? Like, I found out why all those, like, when I met my my wife, now my wife, like, I'm like, okay, I could have said it's too good to be true, but I don't think it is. I, um, I think everything that you mentioned is true. I thought those four throws in the Detroit game, and I get it. I, I prefaced everything. I know it's Detroit, but it was different. Like, with Mitch, like, I'll give you the Denver game. This is what I said after the Detroit game. Like with Mitch, that offense would struggle the whole game. And then all of a sudden, like Trubisky uh, stepped up in the pocket. And I think it was Allen Robinson he hit over midfield to set up that long game winning field goal in Denver. So, and we're all like, oh, yeah, he made the throw. He never gives up. But what, what kind of throw was that? He stepped up in the pocket and he hit someone over the middle. Like I thought those four throws that Fields made in that game. And Waddle says, there's one of the four that sticks out way, way, way more than any. And it's the, the sideline throw to Allen Robinson where he had to just fit it perfectly. I still love the Mooney throw where he just threw it. It was like the drill at the end of practice when they're just throwing the high arcing passes and they're trying to get it in the basket. Um, and, and again, like I think there's something to be said when Mooney was wide open and they hit for 65 that how many times did we see Mitch with a wide open Mooney, a wide open Allen Robinson, and he overthrew him, you know, or or something like that. And he made the throws. 
Um, I think he checks every box and I love that he's cool and calm. He's the alpha that you mentioned, but he's also not this over the top alpha where he's like, I got this. And I think he said today in the press conference about what he admires most about Aaron Rodgers is that he's cool under pressure. And it's something that he, he loves as well. And so I, I think he's got this, I got this mentality. Um, so I love, and what scared me. Okay. So let, let's not ignore, like I'm in two of the three games already. I've been scared shitless that he's hurt, you know, in the, in the Cleveland game, he hurt the thumb uh, or whatever it was thumb wrist. Uh, and then this last game we were sitting in Oakland and I'm like, it's done the way he's acting. Like I was at the Derrick Rose game and I'm like, no, 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 don't, don't tell me here that we're the way he reacted when he got up was not a confident I'm okay. I walk this off. He beelined it straight to the sideline to the tent, and and did it slowly, but uh, but then quickly came back and were like, "Ooh, thank goodness." Right. So, and and I think that's one of Waddle's biggest concerns is a, a lot of quarterbacks. I won't call him a running quarterback. I'll call him a, a guy who loves to play in the pocket, who will run, and is very good running the football. Um, but you worry about the hits they take and 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 everything like that. So. I'm still worried about that. And yeah, processing, of course. But I think if you can win while developing him, I'm just still in the in sort of the honeymoon stage where I'm just happy that they're playing him right now. And sure. that we're on we're on to a destination now. Like I was saying before, with Dalton, th- there was no destination. It was a pointless exercise. We were putting in time, energy, resources into preparing someone who's never been in this offense to get ready to play every Sunday for what? And now at least we're starting at the bottom and we're, we're hopefully going to start walking up some stairs with Justin Fields as a starting quarterback. Yeah. And my, my big thing was, you know, if, if I was doing this, I would have wanted Fields out there week one. And, and I, I don't think it, it was benefiting him, but I kind of looked at the schedule and said, as long as he was out there by the Detroit game, that was the, right. And I think I, I wasn't alone there. A lot of people looked at said Detroit, Vegas, those are defenses. You could start a rookie against get his feet wet before he gets into some more difficult games. That was it. I said, as long as he's out there by then, because if he's not out there by then, you're going to start getting into hard games and it's just, it's going to get further and further into the season. Now I don't wish injuries on anyone. Andy Dalton, you know, is, is a good guy. He's handled this with total class. This yes. Because it's been, it hasn't been handled well by Nagy. I think everyone agrees with that. Matt Nagy might even agree with that, but um, Dalton's handled it with class. So while it wasn't the path I wanted Fields to get his first start against Detroit, at least it happened. So like you said, you know, we can embrace the fact that he's going to be out here. He's going to be out here for another, you know, 12 games and let's see, see what he, see what he has, see if he's developing into the guy that we really think he can be. And jobs depend on it. Right. I mean, that circles back to all these things. Like if, that's a way that Nagy and that it always like befuddled me about, Oh, well, if Nagy wins games, well, I don't know if your ownership, but our ownership doesn't know anything really. Um, but you know, why would they be impressed with eight, nine with Andy Dalton? And you don't know anything about Justin Fields. Like if you attach yourself to fields here and if you just show that you're a good coach and that at the end of the year, you're a decent team and Justin Fields has answered all those questions. I think Nagy then has a really good case to get an extension. I like, I'm still scared shitless bill that he, and people will say, Sylvie, you're just a hater. You're, you're always upset about something. (laughs) 
I just want greatness for my team. I want greatness from the quarterback position. And if Nagy screwed up, like if he didn't know how to, um, if he didn't know how to commit to the run all the way back to 2019, all these different things, he's fired himself twice as offensive coordinator within 10 games. His plan of Andy Dalton has already been uh, changed, you know, four games into the season. What is he going to F up next? You know what I mean? Like, sure. I always think there's, there's something lurking around the corner with him where the track record says, you know, just when you think maybe they have a little common sense up there, they'll do something that we all know is wrong. And why are we smarter than the head coach and general manager of the bears? Yeah. It, it happens. It happens too often when you say, if they do this, this is going to happen. And partly in the back of your head goes, it can't, I, there's no way it can be that predictable. And then it is. And it, it is. Just, and, and, it, and it has been for 70 years. <laughs> I know. And other than a few blips of, of, of greatness. So uh, Mark Silverman, Sylvie of Waddle and Sylvie ESPN 1000. Thanks so much for jumping on with us. Thanks for so much time. And we'll talk to you again soon. Keep up the great work. All right. There he is. Sylvie. Waddle and Sylvia on ESPN 1000. I love talking to Sylvie. You know, he always he has that way to just twist some humor into, into things. And, and yeah, maybe maybe I am scorned by my my past women, uh, you know, as, as Chicago Bears quarterbacks because it's you, you sit there and am I overanalyzing things with Justin Fields? Am I looking objectively? It's almost it's hard for me to analyze my own analysis because you know you're always expecting the worst with this organization, and unfortunately, I think a lot of that it comes from the top from the McCaskies from Ted Phillips, because you don't trust them. So you can't trust them to put in the right people in the right places. And for those people to put the right people in the right places, and it trickles all the way down. So look, I don't want to sit here and be negative because this was an excellent win for this bears team and this bears organization. I am thrilled. They beat the Raiders, uh, whether they were distracted about the Gruden stuff or not, it doesn't matter. That is a, win against a winning team on the road that is not easy to do in the NFL and the Chicago Bears did it and put themselves in a position here where if they lose the next two games you know if you're sitting there at two and three and you fall all the way down to two and five if you lose these next two games against the Packers and the Bucks, the 49ers game is, is obviously a winnable game it's not gonna be easy but that is a winnable game you, you do that, two and five is, is a terrible spot to be in. I and mean, you, you're close to just chalking up the end of the season at that point. But at this point now, if they lose those next two games and they're three and four, that's not the end of the world. If you somehow pull off one of those wins and you get those games, if you somehow, somehow have the Rams, Cleveland, one of the Packers games and the Bucks off a tough schedule all in your rearview mirror and you're four and three, that would be tremendous. For this organization. So this Packers game, look, I think they've got an opportunity here. The Packers are banged up. They've got injuries in the secondary. They've got injuries on the offensive line. There is an opportunity here for the Chicago Bears defense to get pressure on Aaron Rodgers. And there's an opportunity for Justin Fields to find some holes in a defense. If they both can put that together, this can be a coin flip game in the fourth quarter. And that's what you, look, I, I don't see any way the Chicago Bears can blow out the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers 31 to 13. That's not going to happen. The goal here out of the gate is to make sure this game does not get away from you. And we know how quickly it can 
you get, you know, a Rodgers touchdown, a turnover, and another Rodgers touchdown. It's 14. It's a 14-0 swing. And maybe the, it was you were down 10-7, and next thing you're down 24-7. We know how quickly it can happen with Aaron Rodgers. So that defensive front has to get after him, or he will pick apart Vildor, potentially Gibson, and Duke Shelley. It's, it's going to happen. They're not going to be able to be sticky enough to, to, to stay with their guys long enough. Rodgers will pick them apart. I'm confident, Jalen, but the rest of the, you know, Devontae Adams, Jalen Johnson's not going to be on Devontae Adams, you know, every time. So Devontae Adams is going to have matchup, you know, favorable matchups at, at plenty of points during this game. And Aaron Rodgers will find him if he gets an opportunity to. So the Bears have to be really careful with this game, but I think they're going to be in it in the fourth quarter. Look, Aaron Rodgers, unfortunately, I'm always going to pick Aaron Rodgers in a, in a game like this because he is that good. You know, Sylvie said top five quarterback of all time. And you, you have to put him right there. I think Brady's one. He's right there with the with the Montanas and the Elways and, and, and those type of guys. Aaron, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, really similar resumes, actually, when you look at it. They're both that talented. Manning is more of the, the cerebral quarterback. Rodgers with more of the arm talent, but both guys, great all around, you know, you have to put Rodgers right there in that category. Rodgers wins a second Super Bowl. He's going to have the argument to be second or third all time. I don't know if he, if, if the experts would put him above Joe Montana, especially with Montana's uh, postseason resume, but and he's not going to be above Brady. We, we, know, we know that. But he wins a second Super Bowl. He I, I would say third? He might be third all time. He's, he's that good. He's that impressive of a player. And it's just torture that it's happening all in Green Bay, and we just have to sit here during Aaron Rodgers' tenure with, I'm not even going to go through the list of quarterbacks. So I think the Packers win a close one. I'd take the Packers on the money line, but I would take the Bears with the points. Let's call this one, I think they're four and a half points, but let's call it 24-20. 24-20 Packers. I think the Bears are going to hang in this one. It just won't be quite enough. But let's hope I'm wrong, and let's hope I'm eating crow after another Chicago Bears victory Next week, we'll talk to you then. Adios, everybody. Bear down. See you later.